Uh, would you turn with me, guys, to Romans 8, chapter 8 today? We started this series uh, in purpose, talking about the purpose in our pain, and we started it in Romans 8. I'm kind of going back to restart part 3 in Romans 8 as well, just a few verses later. Uh, but I w really want to, to dive in today to what is my purpose. So in talking about purpose as a series, we started off with there's a purpose in my pain. Uh, I hope and I pray, and, and I've talked to a few people who felt like uh, during that service, they got some understanding and some realization of, of, of what they've gone through in life and that it's not just for nothing, right? We don't go through things just for nothing, but God will use situations and hard times that we go through for his good, right? He'll use it for, for his benefit. He'll use it for our benefit, of the benefit of those who love him, right? He'll use it uh, to further us, to create character within us. He does a lot of things with pain and things that we go through in life. And then the second week that we jumped into this series was Valentine's Day. And on Valentine's Day, uh, we talked about the purpose of marriage. Did anybody learn anything that week? Some of y'all were like, yeah, Pastor Steve, we learned you're really hard on, on, on husbands. <laughs> I was a little harsh on, on husbands that day. I don't know why, because uh, I am one, you know. I, I shouldn't have been that harsh, but, but, a little, but I was. But it's all good stuff, and it's real stuff, and the purpose of marriage and how it plays out in our life. And then today is what is my purpose, part one. So this is part three of the series purpose, but today we're talking about what is my purpose. We're going to talk about the first part of that and then dive into the second part next week to end our series, which what is my purpose part two. Uh, so it's a lot of parts, a lot of moving parts, uh, but we're going to get it all down. Amen. I also, because I absolutely love marriage, um, I want to acknowledge, even though his wife has left the room, uh, but I want to acknowledge uh, Sean and Stephanie Jenkins, who, who were married last Sunday while we were meeting here. They were getting married, and I just want to acknowledge them and being in church for the first time as Sean and Stephanie Jenkins. So. so when she comes back in, everybody just turn around and clap for her. We'll, we'll embarrass her to death today. Uh, how many of you are in Romans chapter 8? So a few verses before this, we kind of dug in into the first part of this series, that purpose in, in, in pain. We talked about how the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings uh, that are beyond words, groanings that we don't understand. And then a few verses later, uh, it says this in Romans 8, 28. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Uh, if you underline or highlight or write in your Bible that you currently have with you today or you're on a digital Bible and it's your YouVersion account and you just want to click on that and maybe underline or make a note, one of the things, the biggest portion of that scripture that I want you to pay attention today is the word his purpose, right? That, that it is his purpose. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So we're talking about today in part one, we're talking about God's purpose for us. How many of you know that you have to have a foundation before you can start to branch out in any area of your life? 
uh, before you branch out into what God's purposes are for you, what does God want me to do? Is God calling me to preach? Is God calling me to teach? Is God calling me to work the nursery? Is God calling me to do outreach? Is God calling me to evangelize? What is God calling me to do? Before you can even get to that point, you have to have a foundation and an understanding of who you are in God and what your primary purposes are in Him before you can branch out into finding what does God want me to do, right? We have to know the, the who am I before we know what do I do, right? We have to understand the purposes and how God created us before we jump in there. Everybody clap for Stephanie, would you? <laughs> she is so embarrassed, but I announced, I announced your marriage last week, guys. So we, we just celebrate with you. All right, so, so we have to have those boundaries. Now, this word purpose in that scripture in Romans chapter 8, 28 means this, prothesis. And the prothesis means a setting forth. And uh, if you were to look at that word and kind of dig into it in the Greek, the prothesis or a setting forth is an advanced plan and an intentional design. So when we talk about God's purpose for you and God's purpose for me, we talk about an advanced plan and an intentional design. Uh, that means how many of you know that you were created with purpose, right? You were created right out of the womb with purpose. You didn't even have to do anything yet except cry and do some stuff in your diaper. And you still had purpose, amen? You come out of the womb with purpose. You have pur Can I say this? You have purpose while you're in the womb. You have purpose at the point of, of conception. You have purpose at the point of creation. God made you and created you and allowed that spark of life to happen uh, inside your mommy's tummy, and you immediately had purpose. So, so right off the bat, we have that. We know that God uh, has an advanced plan for your purpose, but how many of you know he is also very intentional about his design of you? So how he designs you is intentional. What he created you for is intentional. The, the, the groundwork that we're laying today is intentional. Every part of what God does for you and through you and with you is intentional, right? There, there, everything that is God-led in your life is intentional, right? It's not stuff that quesarasara, uh, whatever will be, will be. You know, it's, it's, it's not that. Everything that happens in our life, whether God uh, uh, caused it or not, because how I many of you know we live in a broken world? We have an enemy, and sometimes the enemy will cause things that happen in your life, and sometimes God will cause things that happen in your life, right? But no matter who caused it, God still uses it in this scripture for the good of those who, who love God and for those who are called according to to his purpose, right? So we, we dive into that today. Uh, there's a few words in the English language that describe a mystery, but also an attraction deep down within us. A few words that are, that are mysterious to us. Uh, people are constantly trying to figure this out in life. They're constantly trying to look through and, and, and try to come up with some kind of decision on what God has created them for, right? So it's a, it's a mystery to us, but it's also, uh, for, for most of us, if we're, if we're healthy emotionally, it's a deep attraction that you want to know why you're here. You want to know why you were created. You want to know what purpose God has for you. We desire that. So in this case, it's both a phenomenon and a conundrum. 
right? It's something that happens that's mysterious to us, and it's a conundrum because we don't always understand it, right? But we have a deep desire to know our purpose, but sometimes we don't know how to recognize it. We have a deep desire to know our purpose. How many of you here today say, I agree with that. I have a deep desire to know what my purpose is, right? About five of us have that deep desire to know what our purpose is. But sometimes we don't recognize it, right? Sometimes we don't recognize it. So in the, in the last couple of weeks, we talked about purpose in our pain, purpose in our marriage. And just like this verse says today, that all things work together for the good to those who are called according to his purpose. So in the ling- English language, those words that we use are destiny, calling, and purpose. Destiny, calling, and purpose. And people use these words almost mystically, right? Oh, there, it was destiny that we met, right? It was, it was my destiny that, that we met, right? It was, it was, you were my destiny. We use words like that uh, in, in almost a mystic way. Uh, that is my calling in life. This is my purpose in life. These are English words, but I want to talk about and break out each one. The first one is this. Destiny means this. This is the definition of destiny. A predetermined course of events. Right? So in the English language, destiny means a predetermined course of events. And if we read the scripture in 828, he says in purpose, which the Greek word is prothesis, that it is an advanced plan. It's a plan that God knows in advance while we're still in our parents, we're still a glint in our daddy's eye and we're still a spark in our mommy's tummy, right? In those moments, we understand that there's still a purpose. It's an advanced plan that God has for us before we're even able to even acknowledge what that plan might be. The second word that we use is calling. Calling is a strong urge towards a particular way of life, career, vocation, or ministry. So it's a strong urge that we feel. How many of you have ever had a calling by God? Right? We have a lot of people in our church who minister, and a lot of people in our church who have been pastors, or a lot of people in our church that serve in different areas. And if you serve in any area in the ministry, whether it's pastoring or, or whatever it might be, teaching or, or greeting or, or in any area, uh, you had a strong urge in the beginning just to do something for God. So you had that calling, and it's a strong urge towards a particular career, vocation, or ministry activity. How many of you know there's no small ministry activity to God? There's no small ministry activity. No portion of the body is greater than the other. But every portion of the body is needed for the body to work in its full capacity. So there's, there's every area is a calling that we're called to serve for God, right? The third one is purpose. Purpose, the definition is this, the reason for which something is created or why something exists. So if we look back to prothesis and the way they used it in the Greek, it meant a setting forth. So God created you and designed you to set you forth. To set you forth into what? To set you forth into his purpose. To set you forth into his advanced plan. To set you forth into his design. What he has created. What he's designed. What what he has already figured out for you ahead of time. How many of you know that God already knows from day one what we're supposed to do. But sometimes it takes us 60 or 70 years to figure it out. 
right? So sometimes it takes us a long time to figure it out. It should be much simpler than it is. And I think today, by diving into what we're talking about with the, with the ground floor of figuring out what our purpose is, getting that foundation set, then I think once the foundation is set in our life, then everything else happens easier than it does without it. So without that foundation, we spin in circles trying to find our purpose and our destiny and our calling. But with that foundation, uh, we can usually see better, we can hear better, and we can experience better what God has for our life. So all three of these words, how many of you know, are misrepresented by our culture? All of these words are misrepresented by our culture. Because in our culture, it misleads people to believe that they can find the answer to any of this stuff apart from God. That without God, they can find their purpose. Without God, they can find their calling. And without God, they can, they can find their destiny. And culture says that you don't need God to find those things. But how many of you know you, you definitely need your creator to find out why he created you? Right? If you eliminate the creator from the creation, you're also eliminating your understanding and knowledge of the design, the calling, and the purpose. Right? We can't eliminate the creator and still think that we're able to find our design, calling, and purpose. We can't do that. So we can't eliminate him. The only one who can give a destiny call uh, or a destiny or call you to a work, and I'm, I'm using this, this phrase kind of uniquely today, but to call you to a work, uh, the only one who can do that or give you a purpose is your creator. He's the only one that can do that. Uh, how many of you know colleges and universities can't give you purpose? Right? Colleges and universities can't give you purpose. They serve a purpose in people's lives, but they can't give you purpose. They facilitate what some people need to reinforce their purpose, but they don't give you purpose. Right? So, so what has happened in, in the United States of America over the last several decades is we, we've sent kids, and if you're a fan of Micro, you probably have, have looked into this. Uh, you know, Micro is a big fan of, of different areas of, of training, right? And, and not just colleges and universities, but technical schools and things like that of training uh, so that people understand what their calling is and go to do what their calling is, right? Uh, if you think about it, we've sent decades of aimless young adults to college to come home aimless again. We've sent people to college, and, and some of us are a part of that number. Some, some sitting in this crowd today may have went to college, got a degree in something, and never used it. Now, higher education is, is never something that should be despised, and it's never something uh, that should be uh, just, just thought useless. However, uh, how much better would higher education be if people understood their purpose or their calling before they went into it? If they went to higher, educa higher education understanding God is calling me to this specific area of life. And how many of you know God doesn't call everybody to full-time ministry? God sometimes calls people to be accountants and sometimes calls people to be doctors and nurses and sometimes calls people to be attorneys and sometimes calls people to, to be electricians and plumbers. God calls people to all different walks of life and then he uses that walk of life to move on you and create something in you and do something new through you into other people. Right. Your calling is not just has to be a ministry related. Right. Your, your calling could be something that God has called you to that on the on the outskirts or on the outside looking in. It doesn't look like ministry at all. But next thing you know, you're sitting in a room full of people who don't know Christ. 
And God has called you to that moment and called you to be in that place so that you could be there in that particular setting so that you could uh, introduce people to Jesus Christ, so that you can introduce people. Amen? I remember when Jess and I uh, were first called uh, into ministry, and we served together in ministry a lot, right, before I ever went into pastoral ministry. So Jess and I uh, were actually serving together in marriage ministry, and everything we did ministry-wise was together, right? So we never had a, a moment in time where I was ministering and she wasn't, or she was ministering and I wasn't. We did it together. Uh, but then God called us into pastoral ministry, and my first assignment in pastoral ministry was an executive pastor at Crystal River Church of God. And when I, when I went on staff and left for my first day as executive pastor there and, and went on staff, uh, Jessica, how many of you know, couldn't go with me, right? I couldn't sneak her in in my pocket, although she is small enough that maybe I could have tried, right? But she couldn't go with me. And then on top of that, God had a direction for Jessica to go, which was a, a secular job uh, that she wasn't on, on board with. Right. So Jessica, did, Jessica, Jessica wanted to do ministry with me. And, and it got to the point where she's like, OK, this isn't fair. God has called us into ministry and you get to go serve at a church full time. And I'm going to work at a doctor's office. Like, where is that fair? You know what I mean? And we had a lot of gentle discussions about that. <laughs> she yelled at me. She yelled at God. She yelled at me. But, but we had these conversations, and we talked about it, and she ended up working in a particular doctor's office that God had opened the door for. Uh, she had been a stay-at-home mom for years, 10 or 12 years. She had been a stay-at-home mom and never uh, wasn't in the workforce for a long time, and then all of a sudden uh, going back into the workforce. And she finds herself in a doctor's office, and she begrudges it. Right? She's sitting there working in this doctor's office thinking, uh, God, this isn't fair. Steve gets to go to work and pray all day. You know, that, like that's what I was doing. No, man, I was, Pastor Ronnie worked me to death, man. But she said, she said, Steve goes to work and pray all day, right? Or Steve gets to go to work and be a part of staff meetings, and Steve gets to go do these things, right? And, and, and she, she was thinking through that stuff. And then God began, God gave her a couple of weeks to sulk. How many of you know sometimes you sulk for a couple of weeks? God will give you some room. If you want to lament, you know, if you want to be the crying prophet for a little while, that's okay. God will let you lament. God will let you cry. God will let you sulk for a little bit. But after she got done sulking and she accepted kind of where God had her for the time, for the moment, um, then all of a sudden her eyes were open to the atmosphere that she was serving in. So she was in a, in a place with a bunch of ladies who didn't know Christ. She was in a place with a, a bunch of people who weren't nice to each other, who were mean, who sometimes sent my wife home crying. Sometimes I wanted to tell her, no, we'll just, you just quit that job. You know, you, uh, we'll figure something else out, you know, because she would come home crying because of how they treated people. And then slowly but surely, these people started asking Jessica, um, what is it about you? Why are you so different? How come you don't cuss? How come you haven't been dropping the F-bomb every time you turn around like we do? Uh, how come you're nice to people? How come you're not complaining about people? And she's like, I do when I get home. No, no, but she, she's, like, she's like, how come you don't complain and jump on the bandwagon and talk bad about people like we do? And they started seeing this difference in my wife that they didn't have. And before she left there, she was able to counsel those women 
She was able to walk some of those women through some really, really painful, rough situations. She was able to pray with those women. They would start coming to her for prayer, coming to her for needs. And before she left there, two of the women who were living together outside of marriage, I married. I, I went, I, I went and, and got, their, got them right and, and married them, right? So, so her calling for that season of time wasn't to be in full-time ministry, and yet her calling for that season of time was to be in full-time ministry. Does that make sense? And no matter where you find yourself or what you're doing in life, your calling is still ministry, right? Your calling is still ministry. You may be in a different setting, but you're still called to minister, so, so we need to understand that and realize that. So, so looking inside yourself, how many of you know, and focusing on yourself won't allow you to find your purpose. If all you do is seek for your purpose, your destiny inside yourself and look at what's going to make me happy and what's going to do the most for, for my ego and what's going to do the most for, for my self-esteem. If you're only looking inside yourself, you're only going to find things that are apart from God and you're mostly going to find confusion. Right. Jobs are specifically designed for the purpose of income, but they don't they don't represent necessarily your purpose. Right. Your purpose is higher than what your job is. Your purpose is higher than what your source of income is. Focusing on God will bring the rest of your life into focus. If we have the correct focus on God, everything else starts to clear up. Everything else begins to come clear. There was a man named John W. Gardner who was a president of Common Cause, and, and he said this. He said, when I meet someone, I never ask, what do you do for a living? I never ask, what do you do for a living? I always ask, what do you do that you believe in or are proud of? So when he meets somebody new, he says, hey, so what do you do for a living? He never did that, right? When I read this, I was blown away. He says, when he meets somebody new, he says, what do you do that you're proud of or that you believe in? What do you do? And what does that happen? That throws people off who exalt certain areas and things in their life. It throws people off who, who exalt their wealth. It throws people off who exalt their job titles. It throws people off who exalt their family name. It throws people off who exalt their education. It throws people off who exalt all these areas above what our initial purpose is that God has called us for. It throws everything else. So what do you do that really matters is, in essence, what John is saying to people when he meets them. What do you do that really matters? Now, I have to admit, when I, when I thought about this, there were some things that popped in my head, and I was trying to process it and think through it. And I thought, when somebody says to me, hey, what do you do for a living? I typically say, well, I'm a pastor, right? And I think that that's self-sufficient, right? Or that's sufficient enough to, to, to answer the, the reason that what I do is important, right? What I do is for God. But the truth is, it's not sufficient. That's not sufficient. Because there's all kinds of different pastors. There's, all, there's pastors that are right with God and pastors that are wrong with God. There's pastors who are preaching the word of God, and there's pastors that are preaching a whole other gospel. So, so when I step up and somebody says, hey, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a pastor. That's not enough. But I, I, I dug down a little deeper as I thought about this, and I thought, you know, next time somebody asks me, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm going to answer with this. I help lead a portion of God's church, discipling, preaching, teaching, and loving God's people. That's what I do. And, and you know what? That is my purpose. But can I tell you, my job as a pastor and my purpose are sometimes two different things. My job as a pastor sometimes entails getting down and dirty with Bob in a bathroom and changing out a toilet. Right? 
my, my job as a, as a pastor entails a lot of different things on the property and on the premises and, and things and cleaning out closets and cleaning out things and hauling garbage and doing stuff like that. But my purpose, the things that I do that I'm proud of, the things that I do that really matter is I help lead a portion of God's church discipling, preaching, teaching, and loving God's people. But how many of you know that in the answer to that question, a lot of you do that too? A lot of you do that too without the employment as a pastor, right? As a, as a matter of fact, I learned from, from someone who taught me in ministry that when you hire somebody or place somebody in position, you should be looking for somebody who's already doing the job. That when you see somebody that's already doing the job, that's the person that you put in position because the job is in their heart. It's not in their wallet. Right. So so those are kind of the things that we have to think about when we think about the kingdom and what we're what we're specifically supposed to do. How many of you know there's a difference between your job and your work? There's a difference there. God assigns you a work. A job is for income. Right. So so here's a little a little phrase to break it down. Your work is your calling. Your destiny is to finish your work well. And your purpose is to walk in your work. And God gives each of us a work to do. So I'm going to say that again. Your work is your calling. Your destiny is to finish your work well. Your purpose is to walk in your work. And God gives each of us a work to do. Now, I understand completely that there's some of us that when we hear the word work, want to just go the other way. Sometimes that happens at different points in our life, right? I don't need any more work. I don't want any more work. But understand, the word work here isn't something that wears you out. The word work here is actually something that enthuses you. The word work here is something that even after a 12-hour day of doing a job, you still have a desire to do your work, right? The work here is totally different from, from what we think of in work and in our typical use of the English language today. So your work is actually as attached to purpose is something that is God-given. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, and it'll be on the screen, and you can kind of take a note of it, but I'm going to move past quickly. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So, so godliness is a value in every way which holds promises for the life that we're currently living and the life yet to come. So, so 100% of what we experience, do, and accomplish on this earth is training for heaven. 100%. So everything that we do, everything that God assigns us to, every moment, every hard situation, everything that we come up against is designed to build our character move within us, move us to another level so that when we get to heaven, we don't look like morons and don't know what to do. When we go to heaven, guys, we're going to be loving people. If you can't love people on earth, what are you going to do in heaven? When we get to heaven, guys, we're going to be worshiping God a lot. If you have a, a, a struggle and a hard time worshiping God now, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? Right? Everything that we do on this earth is designed to prepare us not only for the life that we're living, but for the life to come. It's to create our character. When we go to heaven, we don't take anything with us from this earth. How many of you know that? We don't take cars. We don't take houses. We don't take bank accounts. We don't take uh, all the things that we built up and thought about that, are, uh, that, that just fade away. But when we go to heaven, we take our character. 
So what's most important for us to, to work on while we're on this earth? There's nothing wrong with building up bank accounts and building up houses and building up cars as long as you maintain your focus and understand that your perspective is that God is above all of that. God is before everything. Amen? So we were created primarily for a few things, then everything else grows from our main purpose, which is what we've been talking about. So point number one today, and I know I'm, I'm a long time in for point number one, but it's okay. Uh, most of my notes were before the points, but uh, we are all created to worship. Every one of us. We were all created to worship. Your intended purpose is to worship God. However, how many of you know God gave us free will? So because God gave us free will and he created us with the initial uh, purposeful intent to worship, then sometimes people worship things that aren't God. So we're designed to worship God, and in our worshiping of God, everything else comes in alignment. But when we're not worshiping God, we end up worshiping things that don't belong to Him. We end up worshiping the creation rather than the Creator, right? We, we begin worshiping other things in our life that have nothing to do with the worship of God that we were created for. So some people worship God, some people worship idols, Right? When I was in Uruguay, there were stores on every corner that sold little idols for people to go worship. Right? There, there's, some people still do idol worship in the form of actual idols right, across the planet. That still happens. There's still some people doing that in, in the United States. Right? But sometimes our idols are, are less conspicuous. Right? Sometimes our idols are culture. Sometimes our idols are politics. Sometimes our idols are sports. Ooh, sorry, guys. And ladies, <laughs> sometimes our idols are TV. Sometimes our idols are iPhones. Ooh, that one hurts me a bit. Sometimes our, your idols are never Androids because they don't work well enough. But uh, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> I just pick it on Barb. Some people, listen, so, some people worship themselves. Have you ever seen people worship themselves? Yeah, it, it happens, right? So we're created to worship, but we need to always ask ourselves and realign ourselves with what am I currently worshiping? Am I worshiping God or am I putting something else above him? Is there anything in my life that I keep above God? Uh, you know, I, I tease my wife a lot, but the truth is that she is very uh, careful about this in her life. And sometimes I pick on her because she will just randomly, like, remove Facebook off of her phone, right? And I'm like, um, didn't you see the, what I sent you? Didn't you see what I tagged you in? And she's like, oh, no, I don't have Facebook this week. I'm like, woman, come on. Like, there's some important stuff I need you to see and I need, I need to send to you. What do you mean you don't have, uh, you don't have Facebook on this week? And she says, uh, when Facebook starts taking more time of my life than the Bible and God does, then I delete it off my phone. And then she constantly will come back around. Absolutely. I give her props for that. Now she will come back around and, apply and load Facebook back up and be on it for a while. But if it ever gets to that point where it takes up more time than her time with God, then she'll delete it again, right? She, she's, the, she's the only person I know who utilizes that function on iPhone that times out on you. And you, only, you set how much time a day you want to spend on certain apps on your phone. 
right? iPhone actually has that function, by the way, I, you know, in case you know. The only reason I knew it is because my wife uses it, you know. Uh, but at certain times of the day, she'll hand me her phone, and she's like, can you do this for me on my phone? And I'm trying to do it, and in the middle of it, it pops up. Your time has expired for use of this app today. I'm like, ah. You know, but, but the truth is that's constantly paying attention to your life and, and, and paying attention to what are you worshiping? What are you spending more time with today than you, than you are with God? And what are you, are you, what's eating up most of your priorities today other than God, other than serving him? And these are, these are areas that we're supposed to be. So, so people are designed to worship the creator, not to worship the created. So how many of you know we worship God in all that we do? So sometimes we can get lost in what I just talked about, and we can say, well, all I, all I got time for is this. I, I need to be in my prayer closet 12 hours, and I'll come out to eat, and I'll come out. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Yes, spend your time in prayer. Yes, spend your time in the Word. And if, man, if you need to be in your prayer closet for an extended amount of time, by all means, do that. But how many of you know we worship God in all that we do? We worship God in our marriage. We worship God in our relationships. We worship God in how we deal with our struggles in our life. We worship God with how we serve and love people. We worship God in everything that we do can be done for the glory of the creator. And how is that? It's by putting him first in perspective and, and meaningfulness in our life. If we put him first, then we're worshiping him in all that we do. Psalm 150, 1 through 6 says this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to the excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sounds. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen? That we praise Him in all that we do. Now, it's talking a lot about musical instruments, and some of us in this room just aren't very good at musical instruments. But you know what? You could rewrite that verse and, and write it like this. Praise God when you go to work. Praise God when you get in a car. Praise God when you feel air conditioner on your face. Praise God for carpet underneath your feet. Praise God that we get to worship him this morning sitting on cushioned pews with air conditioning and carpet and coffee in the foyer. Praise God that we have a sound system that even when it don't work right, it's still working and you can still hear me. Praise God that when you get up in the morning and you go to work that you have a job to do. That Praise God that you have income to pay your bills. Praise God when you have kids in your life. Praise God even when those kids act up because they're still a blessing regardless. Amen. Praise God for, for every area of your life. Begin to give God praise. Praise God for iPhones. I love iPhones. Praise God for that, right? Don't praise God for, for Android, but praise God for iPhones. <laughs> I'm really picking on Barb today. But we, how many of you know we praise God in everything that we do? We praise God in, in everything that we do. Here's point number two today. It says, we were all created to be loved by God. So we were created to worship God. And the other part of our foundation is we were all created to be loved by God. God created us with value and worth right off the bat. Right off the bat, you're valuable. Right off the bat, you have intrinsic value and worth. God loves all people but how many of you know a lot of people don't love him? 
God loves all people that he created. But a lot of people reject his love. A lot of people don't receive it or accept his love. Right? 1 John 4.16 says this. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So that God is love. But before you ever come into your work for the kingdom, you need to understand deeply and have a knowledge that God loves you. Just because. God loves you. There's some some people in this room right now that struggle with that idea. There's some people in this room right now that struggle with the point or the fact that God does indeed love you. And you get it twisted. You begin to think, that well, God can't love me this week because I didn't do enough for him. Or God can't love me this week because, man, I really messed up or sinned. Or God can't love me this week because, man, I haven't done something that he's been asking me to do. But I want you to understand this. God's love for you is, is, is right off the bat intrinsic in value. That means he loves you with who you are, not what you've done. He loves you because you're his kid and he created you not because of what you can do for him now listen we do for God because we're appreciative of his love but you got to get the foundation before you ever do anything for God that God created you to worship and God created you to be loved by him God created you to be loved amen so God doesn't only love you when you're behaving God doesn't only love you when you're working for him God doesn't only love you when you're doing ministry, whatever that may look like in your life. God loves you like we love our kids. God loves you like I love my grandkids. God loves you regardless, right? Have you ever had a a two-year-old kid or grandkid in your house? And you just love to look at them, right? They're not doing anything particularly helpful, right? Like, they're not uh, running around doing dishes and, and cleaning the house for you at two years old, right? They're, they're not, like, uh, like, you know, feeding the dog and, and taking care of the cat or, or whatever at two years old, right? They're not really doing anything helpful. But, but, man, when you think about and look at them, you can't help but be overwhelmed with love. And that's the same way that God looks at you. Even if you're not doing anything particularly helpful in the moment, he looks at you in love. He looks at you and loves you. Now listen, I don't only love Waylon when I find him in the nursery witnessing to the other two-year-olds. I'm like, but sometimes people have that view of God. Like, God, I didn't witness to anybody this week. I'm so sorry, and I'm going to do better so that you love me more next week. And, and people have that view of God because that's a, that's a, that's a fleshly view. Right, that, that people in our flesh, we typically only love people the most that do the most for us. Right? That's, a, that's a humanly view or a fleshly view, but God doesn't have that. God is love. God loves you regardless. If you didn't get to witness to somebody this week, God still loves you. Right? So we, we, we work on getting better because we want to increase the kingdom, but you can't earn God's love by doing better. Just like you can't earn your own salvation. Salvation is a free gift from God's love. Amen? Amen. So, so uh, in, in this moment, there, there's, a, there's a saying that I want to give you, and it, it, it goes like this. But before, before I get there, how many of you know that sometimes people are like, man, I worship God, but I just worship him in the woods? 
right? Some of y'all even said that, right, in here. Man, I feel God the most when I'm on my bass boat. Mm. (laughs) When I'm throwing out frogs and working it across the water, man, and a big bass grabs that frog, man, woo, I just shout hallelujah, right? I worship God. Now, listen, I want to say this. You absolutely can worship God while fishing, hunting, and, and, and being in the woods. You can absolutely worship God for that. But part of what God has called you to, which is point three, is this, is we were created to, to love other people. So you can worship God in the woods all by yourself, but you can't, worship, you can't love other people in the woods all by yourself. There's a, there's a poem that said this in the middle of the poem. It said, to dwell above with the saints we love, oh, that would be glory. But to dwell below with the saints we know, well, that's a completely different story. <laughs> People are hard to love. People wear on your skin, don't they? Uh, we, we call people sandpaper people. Some people are just your sandpaper people, right? They, uh, they, they grate against you when, you when you spend time with them, right? They're just your, your sandpaper people. But how many of you know sandpaper people are in your life for a reason? Sandpaper people are in your life. God will move them into your life to rub something off of you, right? To do something into you, to bring a freshness and a newness out of you and how you love other people, right? So sometimes one of the hardest things we can do is a third thing, which is a part of our foundation that we were created for, and that's to love other people. John 13, 35 says this, purpose starts on a foundation of worshiping God. I'm sorry, that's my, that's my line. That's, that's Steve chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 35 is this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That we're never known to be more like Christ than when we're loving somebody else. And we're never known to be more like Christ than when we're loving somebody that's hard to love. Never more are you like Jesus then when you give of your time and your energy and your prayers and love somebody that really just grates against your skin, right? Never are we more like Christ than to love somebody who's so hard to love. And Steve chapter 13, 35 says this, our primary purpose starts on a foundation of worshiping God, being in relationship with him and loving other people. Hmm. So everything we do, guys, are, is, is designed to do, our calling flows out of this foundation. So these three things that we were created by God to do, these three primary purposes are this, is that we're designed to worship, and we're supposed to worship him in all that we do. And then we're designed to be loved by God, and we need to understand that that love by God uh, isn't conditional, right? But it's agape, all-encompassing love, that you can't earn more of it, Right? And you can't mess up and lose some of it. That God loves you. Right? And you've got to have that as a portion of your foundation. And then the third portion of your foundation that comes together is that you've got to really love other people. So if you haven't started focusing on those three primary building blocks of your purpose, then you'll never understand what God has for you next. Maybe uh, today if you serve... If you, if you serve in different areas of a church or maybe you were a part of a different church before you came here and you served in some different areas, 
and, and maybe you served in, in nursery, kids' church, you, you, taught, uh, you taught classes, or you led small groups, or maybe you pastored, or maybe you preached, or you fed the poor, or you worked on media, or the worship team, or sound team, or you were a greeter, or an usher, or you served as an elder, uh, in any of these capacities, and then you found yourself in the moment just being aggravated by what you were doing. Right? And you found yourself in the moment just wanting to get away from an area that you've been serving in the kingdom. And if you find yourself in that moment, you need to understand that you need to return back to your foundation. Because if the foundation begins to slip, everything begins to crumble. Right? Without the foundation, everything crumbles. So for anything to grow and build and increase, it must have a firm foundation. What happens, builders in the room, if we, if we build a building on a weak foundation? Eventually, it collapses. If you build a building on a weak foundation, it will eventually collapse. There's the, one of the most famous buildings in the world is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Right? And the Leaning Tower of Pisa is, is so famous because they built it on a horrible foundation. And when they got up to a certain level, it started leaning Right, and, they, and they couldn't even finish the project because the building leaned so much they had to secure and try to strengthen the building. And to this day, it's just a site that people go to look and go, yep, that building's leaning, but you sure wouldn't set up shop and live in it, would you? Right? So, so we got to understand that in order for a building to last and a building to survive long term, it's got to have a solid foundation. If you found yourself serving in ministry in any capacity, and then it became to the point to where uh, it was an aggravation to you rather than an honor to serve God, you've got to go back to your foundation. You've got to go back to the solid foundation, right? Because any work that we do, God gives us the grace and the ability to do it. Any work that is God-given, he gives us the grace and the ability, right? So if we're not plugged into God, if we're not focused on the foundation, then the rest of it will collapse. What happens when a marriage is built on a weak foundation? It collapses. What happens when a family is built on a weak foundation? It collapses. Right? So, so understanding and acknowledging the foundation is, is so key. Our work for God must be built on a solid foundation, starting with our initial created purpose. Our initial created purposes. And then if we have that foundation... And then we go from that foundation and we begin to build on that by serving in any capacity in the kingdom. We'll be able to do it uh, willingly, lovingly, have the strength and grace to do it, and it won't collapse. You won't find yourself collapsing going, man, I, I just, I don't even like these people. Why am I feeding them? Or I don't even like these people. Why am I holding doors for them? It's because you've got to go back to your initial foundation. And once you get full of God in the initial foundation, you can do anything else. So Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. That rock is Jesus Christ. When we see great ministry leaders fall, 
right? And it's in, it's in the paper, it's all over social media. And when you see people that we held in high esteem fall, you've got to understand that there was something wrong with their foundation. Their foundation was missing a keystone. So we've got to understand in our own lives, everything we do needs to be placed on a solid foundation. So the solid foundation for our purpose is worshiping God, allowing God to love us and loving people. Isaiah 28, 16 says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. That precious cornerstone is Jesus. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? So today I felt like I needed to lay the groundwork for what we're going to do next week. And what we're going to do next week is really dive in to how do I find my next step purpose. So once I have this solid foundation in Christ and once I have this solid foundation of worshiping God, letting him love us and loving others well, uh, then once I have that solid foundation, what do I do next? How do I know what God has called me to? So next week, we're really going to dive into the how-to, pray, and find out what God wants you to do in this life. We're going to stick into that. Amen? So would you mind just closing your eyes today and, and bowing your heads? I want, I want to 